And we are beginning a new Mishnah. Uh, we're starting a new Mishnah. This Mishnah does connect to our previous discussion about the mitzvah of Puru to have children, to procreate. And uh, we pass and we follow the position that in order to fulfill this mitzvah of having children, one has to have a son and a daughter. And our Mishnah discusses what happens if a couple is married and they are not able to have children. So then, uh, do they do they have to get divorced? Do they not have to get divorced? So says the Mishnah as follows. So if a couple is married for 10 years and they're not able to have children for 10 years, says the Mishnah, that he still has an obligation to fulfill his mitzvah of having children. And therefore, explains Rashi, either he has to get divorced and then marry somebody else, uh, which is what we would have to do. Uh, we'll discuss practically what we do today, but at least in the times of uh, after Rabbeinu Gershom, uh, Rabbeinu Gershom had a cherim. He said that uh, you can only marry one wife at a time, and if that's the case, so then you would have to get divorced and then marry somebody else. Alternatively, some of the commentators explain that it just means that he has to take on a new wife, that he, he doesn't have to get divorced from his first wife, but he would have to marry uh, a, a second wife. Um, but he would have to be proactive in this and marry somebody else. Girsha, let's say they got divorced. Uh, so she now is the wife of the of the first marriage. Is she allowed to marry somebody else? Misha says yes. She is allowed to marry somebody else because maybe the reason why they weren't able to have children was not because of her, but was because of him. And so she's allowed to marry somebody else because maybe the issue is not about her. Uh, and they're allowed to be together, allowed to stay married for 10 years to see. Are they able to have the second couple? Are they able to have children or not? This is a separate halacha. The last part of the mission says that let's say there's a miscarriage, unfortunately. If there's a miscarriage which occurs, so then the 10 years start again. We start a new count of the 10 years from the point in time that there was a miscarriage because we view the miscarriage as though uh, she does have the ability at that point in time to have children. So if we were to count 10 years, it would be the, from the point of uh, of the miscarriage. So essentially, our Mishnah says that you have 10 years to attempt to have children. If you're not able to have children, so then you have to get divorced. Once you get divorced, they're both allowed to remarry. They can marry somebody else because it's unclear uh, which one was it the wife or the husband who's causing this problem. Um, and the last part of the Mishnah says that if they... Uh, if there was a miscarriage, then we start the, the 10 years uh, from uh, from the point in time of the miscarriage. Okay, there's a big discussion amongst the commentators uh, about the following. What happens if, let's say, they have one child? In order to fill the myth of Pruavu, to procreate, you need to have a boy and a girl. Let's say they only have one child, this couple, and 10 years pass. Do they have to get divorced or do they not have to get divorced? Or let's say they have many sons or many daughters. They have multiple children, but it's only sons or only daughters, and so they have not yet fulfilled the mitzvah of Puruvu to procreate. So then, do they uh, do they have to get divorced? So this is a big discussion. This is a dispute amongst 
the different of the, some of the earlier commentators. Some say that, yes, as long as you have just one child, even if you don't have two children, if you have one child, so then you're allowed to stay married. And some ask, why? What's the logic behind that? You still have not yet fulfilled the mitzvah of Puru And so there's one commentator who asks a very strong question. He says, what do you mean you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of Puru and therefore you would have to get divorced? In general, what is the mitzvah of Puru to procreate? It is a positive commandment. And we know that there's a rule when it comes to positive commandments. Uh, that a person only has to spend up to a fifth of their money in order to fulfill the positive commandment. When it comes to preventing yourself from violating a negative commandment, like uh, any negative commandment, for example, murder or stealing, you have to give up all of your money. But when it comes to the fulfillment of a positive commandment, like uh, a tefillin, uh, sitting in a sukkah, these are all positive commandments, a person only has to spend up to a fifth of their money. So he asks a very strong question. To get divorced psychologically, to force a, force a couple, they're, they're happily married, to force them to get divorced is uh, way more. The, the impact is way more than a fifth of one's income. It could be devastating. So how could the Torah actually tell us that uh, they would have to get divorced? It, it's, only, it's only a positive commandment. You only have to spend up to a fifth. Getting divorced could, if it's a, if it's a really healthy marriage, it could be, uh, it could be devastating and, and viewed as a loss much more than a fifth of their, of their income. Uh, so that commentator wants to explain. He, he tries to give different explanations. One explanation is that this rule of spending a fifth uh, only applies uh, to fulfill a mitzvah, which one, which one has the potential to fulfill at a different point in time or at a different year. So then the max that you spend is a fifth. But when it comes to fulfilling a mitzvah, this is the only time in your life that you'll be able to fulfill this mitzvah, so then you'd have to spend much more. And so, so too here, you'd have to spend much more because it's to fulfill a mitzvah. The mitzvah to have children only applies uh, once in your life. Uh, you fulfill that mitzvah once in your life. So if you haven't fulfilled it yet, so then you'd have to spend more than a fifth. A very interesting answer. But he gives a very different answer, which is also a very interesting answer. And he says, you know what? Really, you don't have to get divorced for this. But what you would have to get divorced for is for a different mitzvah. It's for the mitzvah not to have children, but to leave a legacy to leave a legacy, to continue it on from generation to generation, which is why he explains their opinions that say is that as long as you have one child, even if you don't have a boy and a girl specifically, as long as you have one child, you don't have to get divorced. Because once you have one child, so you've left your legacy. Your legacy continues. And as a result of that, you don't have to get a divorce. This is not about, according to this explanation, it's not about the mitzvah of procreation, of, of having a boy and a girl, but it's about the mitzvah of leaving a legacy, of having just one child who will continue on after you pass away. Okay, so that's an interesting point uh, from the Mishnah. There is a whole separate discussion before we even begin the Gemara about whether this applies nowadays. Does this actually apply nowadays? And the minig, the custom is that is that this does not act, not apply today. It doesn't. It's a, a law which is found in the Mishnah and the Gemara, but it's something which doesn't apply today. We do not say anymore today that if a couple is they're not able to have children. For 10 years, we don't force them to get divorced. We don't do that. We don't force them to get divorced. And the question is why? And there are many different explanations as to why this is so. But just to share one of them, or at least an underlying principle, which is found in a couple of the sources, is the idea that uh, the marriages today, it's an interesting idea, the marriages today are a bit different. It's harder to find uh, a real Shidduch, a good shidduch, a good connection between the husband and the wife to force them to get divorced. 
we're not going to go that far. In the times of the Mishnah, okay, you, if you divorce one wife, so then it's a lot easier in those days to find another wife that is compatible, that is that it creates a good, healthy relationship. Uh, but nowadays, it's much more difficult, and therefore, we're not going to force them to get into it. Essentially, the underlying principle is that the marriages of today are different than the marriages of the days of the Mishnah and the Gemara, which is a very interesting idea. And as such, uh, the impact is uh, so much stronger to force them to get divorced, a, a happy, a healthy marriage. Uh, to force them to get divorced could be, could be devastating, as we pointed out before. And so therefore, that is that is one of the reasons as to why they say this this rule does not apply anymore. Okay, let's continue on in the Gemara. The Gemara says as follows, It was taught in a Brisa. If they're married for 10 years and they're not able to have children, they have to get divorced. There's a question whether or not we force the divorce. Tosos discusses one of the classic commentators. Do we actually force a divorce or not? There's a question. But she still is, the wife is still deserving of her ksuba, the money that she gets after a regular divorce. She should get. Why? Uh, because maybe uh, the problem doesn't come from her, but the problem comes from him. And so therefore, uh, it's not it's not her issue, it's his issue. And so therefore, she still gets uh, the ksuba. So now the Gemara wants to know, what is the source for the 10 years? Where did 10 years come from? How do we know 10 years? It seems like an arbitrary... A uh, number to pick that after ten years to so them they have to get divorced. Where, where does this come from? So the Gemara says, "Avpi shein rayel We don't have a full proof, but zeichel But we have a small proof. There's a zeichel. There's a a hint to it from the Torah. Why? Because it says, "Mikait eser shanel l'shevet avram beres kenan lemedcha sheini shivus chutzlars olalo minaminyan." The proof is is that it says that after Avram and Sarah, Avram and Sarah, they go to the land of Israel. They are there for ten years. After ten years. They're not able to have children, and so Avram marries Hagar. He marries a new wife. So this is a hint to the fact that if they're not able to have children after 10 years, so then you have to marry a new wife. But the obvious point, which the Gemara discusses, is the fact that, wait a minute, they've been married much longer. Avram and Sarah have been married much longer, so you have to. So it seems to be that you should wait much longer than 10 years. The answer is no, because they were outside the land of Israel. So that doesn't count. Uh, because maybe they're not able to have children because they don't have the extra merit of being in the land of Israel. And so that's why they're not able to have children. So we start the count of 10 years once uh, they're in the land of Israel. And there's a big question whether or not that continues to apply today. Maybe that was specifically to Avram, who had a special and unique commandment, an individual commandment for him to go to the land of Israel as opposed to on a collective level. That was on an individual level. So maybe it's unique to Avram. Others want to suggest that, no, there, there is this added zchus, there's an added merit for being in the land of Israel. So if there's a couple who's not able to have children for 10 years, there's, it's highly suggested they should move to the land of Israel. Move to Israel and you'll have the extra merit to have, uh, to have children. And we see from Avram that the, the count started over again once they reached Israel. So then when they started the new 10-year count after 10 years of not having children, he then married Hagar. And so the Gemara then says, if we have certain circumstances where we know that there are external circumstances which are impacting their the ability for them to have a child, whether he's sick or she's sick or they're both in jail, even if they're together in jail, but because of the circumstances, uh, it uh, it could prevent uh, a, a healthy pregnancy and a healthy child. Uh, so that, therefore, if, if they're in that situation, it's not counted as part of the 10 years. In those situations, it's not part of the... Counted as part of the ten years because those are external 
reasons as to why they are not able to have children. Okay, the Gemara continues. Why are we learning out from Avram that it's ten years? Once you reach ten years, so then you should marry somebody else, which is what Avram did when he married Hagar. But we should learn from Yitzchak. What did Yitzchak do? Yitzchak ben Arbeim Shana. Yitzchak was 40 when he married Rivka, and he only had a child when he was 60. So we see that he waited 20 years. They didn't have a child for 20 years. So why are you saying 10 years? He didn't have a child for 20 years. Just parenthetically, uh, there are some that say Rivka was three years old when they got married. It's a clear, it says Tosos. He says, in one of his answers, he says that. Uh, there are those that disagree. Argamara would seem to disagree and say that no, she wasn't three because if she was three, that means it takes time till she even has the ability to have a child. Uh, so that's a separate point. That's a parenthetical point. Uh, but the question is, why don't we learn from Yitzchak that you should wait twenty years? So the word says no. Amar la Yitzchak akar haya. No, Yitzchak is different. Yitzchak was not able to have children. He was not able to have children. He, it was coming from him. It was the problem was on him. He was not able to have children. But we know that Avram also, he just physically was not able to have a child. Also, it wasn't coming from Sarah, but Avram physically was not able to have a child. So the Gemara answers: It's true. Avram Yitzchak alone, the two of them, all they were because of them, not because of their wives alone, but because of them, they were not able to have children. And so there really is no proof from Avram or from Yitzchak. That's why it's just a hint. But Yitzhak, there's no proof at all for the, for the 20 years because the Gemara says, The reason why they, the Torah tells us that there was a 20-year gap from the time they got married till the time they had a child is not to teach us that you should wait 20 years till you get divorced. We know you should wait 10 years. We know that from Avram. Why does it mention 20 years? Uh, the reason is, is because we needed to figure it out uh, all the years, because of all the, all the different calculations, we figured out how old Yaakov was and um, how old he was when he left his family's home and how old he was when he reached the house of Lavan. And so therefore, that's why we need to know the years for Yitzchak that uh, he gave birth, that he had a baby when he was 20 years old. Not 20, sorry, when he was 60 years old, 20 years after uh, he got married. But it's not there. The point is, is that it's not there to teach us uh, that uh, you need to wait. You could wait twenty years. No, you should wait ten years. From Avram, we can learn that the reason why the Torah specifically teaches us that uh, he got married at forty and had a baby at uh, sixty is there to teach us about uh, how old Yaakov was throughout uh, throughout the Torah. It has to do with that part. Okay, so that is. Uh, that is the end of that part of the Gemara. Um, the Gemara will continue on with uh, some of the uh, Agadita. It's going to have a few statements that relate to um, Yitzchak and Avram and the forefathers and their inability to have children in the beginning of their lives. Um, so we will continue with those parts of the Gemara in the next recording.